Hello, everyone. It's BTN Editorial Director Beth West, and you're listening to our new podcast, The Biz at BTN. If it's happening in business travel, we'll talk about it first. This is the third episode in our series interviewing several of BTN's 2020 most influential people in business travel. Today, we're talking with Ralph Kaiser, CEO of UATP. Ralph, thank you so much for joining and talking with me today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here and thank you for thinking about us and um, and the honor, which I think really applies to all of us at UATP. Thanks. All right. So let's just level set our audience for a moment because not everybody knows UATP, even, um, you know, as our, our audience, corporate travel buyers at BTN, um, they're not always as familiar with UATP because it's one of those operators that kind of can be under the surface a little bit. So why don't you give me the 45-second explanation of UATP and why it's a critical solution for corporate travel. Okay, sure. Well, we are a, a closed-loop payment network, and we're owned and operated by the world's airline industry. And basically, it's, it's B2B, so it allows companies to buy direct air from the airlines. And, you know, as we say, it cuts out the middleman. It's, it's a cost-effective way for airlines to fulfill travel for their best customers, the corporate travelers, and they can afford different uh, benefits and discounts to corporate travelers. So it, it, it's our network is a cost-effective way for airlines to achieve their goals and it also creates that direct relationship, which can breed loyalty between the corporate traveler and the, the corporate buyer and the supplier airlines. And we are a global company. We operate in every company, every country in the world, and we provide level three data to all the, the travel managers who are, you know, have issues of duty of care and things like that, which is really more important than ever now. So um, our, our mission is to, to take friction out and solve problems in payment for the airlines and their customers. Very good. So um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the data because that was one of the things that I was going to um, prompt a little bit about because I always hear about UATP and that because you have uh, the airlines as your, uh, that underpin your operation, um, that the data has always been such a, a great benefit. So one of the reasons, and it was kind of the linchpin for naming you among BTN's 2020 Most Influential, Ralph, was that uh, UATP enabled airline acceptance of WeChat Pay and Alipay as well as um, China Union Pay through a deal with a company in China called, I'm going to hopefully get this right, Sitcon. Yep. Yep. So, um, so we've obviously been watching Alipay and WeChat Pay for a while at BTN, but um, from our vantage point, leveraging those platforms in managed business travel has been pretty limited. Um, Still, these platforms are, I mean, they're totally ubiquitous in the, in the Chinese market. So my question for you is, um, let's kind of start first with the overall consumer environment and the importance of Alipay and WeChat Pay to the airlines. Um, what were you seeing in terms of opening up booking and payment opportunity in that market that caused you to pursue this deal? So, you know, we have two lines of business. Uh, Our our founding business that started over 80 years ago was the charge card program. Um, But 
we over a decade ago, we started processing alternative payment brands for airlines. So for example, in the United States, if you buy a ticket online from an airline with PayPal, there's nearly 100% chance it's running over our network in the background. We have we connect with PayPal and we switch the transaction between airlines and the alternative brand like PayPal. So we, of course, since we operate globally, we want to do this um, for every payment brand that's important to travelers. And obviously the Chinese market being the probably largest market in the world, just based on population, was pretty important for that. Uh, we, we opened a charge card business as far back as I think 2007 in China, and we have Chinese carriers that issue UATP, uh, and we have probably more Chinese carriers in mainland China that accept UATP as a form of payment than any other payment network. And I believe that is uh, by orders of magnitude still. So China is an important market for us um, and enabling the most favored payment vehicles in that market is obviously uh, a necessity. It remains to be seen whether companies will use alternative payment brands in, in a material way when you consider in the US, you know, I don't think major multinationals are using um, Apple Pay or PayPal to, to book corporate travel, um, but that could happen someday and it could happen. It might, I'm sure there are some companies that use those forms of payment. So really this was about filling the need to connect carriers with very popular methods of payment and not just in China, but really for, for carriers all over the world that are on our platform, they can facilitate the acceptance of these for anyone that has those accounts, whether it's in China or not. Right. That is, that is you know, our second big line of business after the charge card program. And, and it makes a lot of sense that we do this, you know, not just in China for important brands, but we do it in Europe, we do it in South America, Africa, any place that makes sense if there's a form of payment that travelers want to use, we can we can connect it very easily over UATP for so it helps the airlines and it helps the payment brand quickly stand up and be accepted. Yeah. Um, so, what kind of transaction volume are we talking about over um, Alipay and WeChat Pay at this point? So I didn't pull any numbers going in today, but um, we roll up our our payment numbers because um, we we still treat them as confidential per brand and per airline. But I can say that uh, pre-pandemic, we were, our, our alternative payments were running at about 3 billion a year. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the exact mix of those brands in that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and even if I did, I probably can't disclose it publicly. Um, but but that, that business has been growing on average um, 20 to 30% a year. Um, not really last year for obvious yeah. reasons, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I categorize a lot of things as pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, just sure. kind of level set. Um, and we still look at, we're still looking at, um, 2021 versus 2019 because 2020 is not really indicative of, of the true nature of our, right. our work. And yet I think, uh, at least I've, I've read that uh, at least in China, um, the volumes, whether they're on um, Alipay, WeChat Pay, or other um, solutions, um, are you know eighty percent, ninety percent back to their 2019 volumes. Is that correct in terms of the domestic travel market? 
So I would say that's pretty accurate. We see probably around 80%. And it just speaks to the resiliency of that economy. It's it's impressive to me. I think most countries in the world would take 80% right now of, of travel. Uh, and, and China's been that way for a good bit of 2020 already. And you know, so hopefully for us, it's it's the biggest green shoot in the in the comeback uh, that we're seeing, and it is it is one of our bigger markets, an important market to us. I think what will really help is when we start having you know long haul international travel allowed, yeah. because then then you'll see you'll see volumes really spike, and of course you know we're all hopeful for the efficacy of the vaccines and and that the governments can work in somewhat a coordinated effort to open up borders again. Yeah. Um, well, and actually, to that point, that kind of segues into my next question. Um, you know, the relatively swift recovery of domestic travel in China. Um, is there anything else that UATP needs to do in that market to help their network take full advantage of of that recovery? Is, are there other things that you're working on, particular to the Chinese market? that you're, um, you know, that will benefit uh, your airlines as, as travel there continues to be the strongest? Well, we always want as many acceptance points as possible for, you know, any, any payment brand wants product to be utilized anywhere people want to use it. So that's a big push for us. But um, having, having Chinese carriers issuing UATP cards in domestic China is, it's kind of a big deal. I mean, the great thing about our product is it's owned and operated by the carrier and we're the network that runs the transactions, but they get to basically manage and structure and promote uh, their product as they see fit. So they own, they own their product and they own their destiny in that, in that respect. We do, we do assist them any way they ask. Right. And so the, the market really has taken off as you know, 10 years ago, kind of almost modernizing and digitizing something that was, was still paper and cash based for, right. for and now it's, it's made a great leap forward and we see a lot of important utilization and we're, we're just happy to support um, the comeback in that economy. And I think, I think China was the only economy that actually still grew in 2020, although not at its historic rates. But I don't think any other economy grew. So, you know, it's just it's just a, a pretty impressive story. Yes, it is. And I was just looking at the Morgan Stanley numbers the other day. And, and I believe in terms of what they were tracking, that is correct. It's the only the only economy that really posted any growth. Um, so I, I wanted to not just uh, sort of linger on the Alipay and WeChat pay, but also um, the sitcom deal included China Union pay. And um, tell me the significance of bringing that into the mix as well. So uh, China Union Pay Cup is a is a, a major player and not just in China or Asia, but it's becoming globally uh, recognized. And again, for us, it's it's really taking out any kind of friction and enabling payment methods that people want to use. Uh, part of what we do is we analyze markets for carriers and say, you know, your home market, you understand, we understand, and these are the these are the kind of products that you should be accepting when you're selling tickets. Hmm. 
but we also look at where they have other markets, other websites and say, and you know, in that market, uh, brand X might not be great because it's too expensive or people don't know it, but brand Y is what everyone's using. So you'll definitely want to use that. And so for, for corporates, you would think that cup and depending on, on, on their target market, just enabling that for corporate travelers and consumers globally is really important. Um, and, and so any kind of emerging market, and I, I don't really think China's an emerging market per se anymore, but any, any emergent payment methods that people want or that get hot, we certainly will enable a partnership for our airline members, which will work as a benefit to their traveling customers. Right. But from a, from a corporate side, from a corporate side and, and corporate travel, do you think the um, China Union Pay piece is more important than the Alipay and WeChat Pay? Like, what, what would you, how would you prioritize those if you were an airline getting into the market? So I'm, I'm not an expert like on the, on the Chinese uh, payment mix per se, okay, but I would okay. say that, that a, 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 a corporate bank or a banking entities with corporate customers would obviously be a natural fit for the corporate travelers. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, a brand like Alipay and WeChat Pay initially are, are enabling consumers to do all kinds of purchases uh, on their mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, in the U.S., you know, the equivalents would be, you know, PayPal and Apple Pay and then companies like Uplift for, you know, um, buy now, pay later type transactions uh, who we work with. Um, So, yeah, I would say that if I had to just categorize broadly, I'd say Cup is more on the corporate side and that maybe the Alipay and WeChat Pay are are more consumer driven. Um, Nevertheless, they can still buy a lot of airline tickets with all those payment methods. Right. What I'm seeing is a little bit of like a leapfrog effect where, you know, you, you might not see consumers get a traditional type credit card to use and buy things, but they might go straight to some sort of digital form of payment, usually on a phone and skip over that kind of step of establishing credit and you know, for someone like me, who's a different generation, I always had credit cards and now I use other forms of payment available to me on my phone. A lot of times backed up by my credit card, but not always. So mm-hmm. um, we've seen that happen in places like Brazil, uh, obviously China. Uh, we're, we're trying to replicate some of the same activities we do in China in India, mm-hmm. which is, you know, another gigantic market that's going to, that is important, but that's going to as the infrastructure improves, going to really flourish. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, I think as a whole, the entire continent of Africa is underserved. And yep. we're, we have a concerted effort to try to, to remedy that as much as we can um, where we sit in the market. Right. And, um, yeah, so, in fact, I was going to uh, just sort of broaden our conversation away from China and ask you some of the other regions where you were um, focusing your work um, so India and Africa, are there, you know, would you say they're underserved? Can you elaborate a little bit on, on those two markets and what you're um, maybe working on there? Well, so, the, you know, just the infrastructure and in, in India, the infrastructure, even for air travel has been, been difficult. They've had some carriers default, right? So um, once, once that market gets more stable, uh, I think, I think more players can enter with confidence 
There's also some issues with regard to how you move money in India that are very difficult. I mean, we've, we've had to visit with the central bank in India and, um, you know, so we're, we're patiently pursuing um, a similar strategy to building out infrastructure, having merchants accept the card in India. So, you know, even before we were deeply in China, Chinese carriers accepted UATP outside of China, right? You could, you could fly right. you could in Paris or London or New York on, on Air China and fly, but it's the intra, intra-country settlement that's an issue a lot of times. Same thing was in Brazil and then parts of Africa. The same way, um, you know, carriers traditionally struggle economically. And right now it's, it's you know, it's much, must be worse, not better. So we're, we're working with carriers to, to help them maximize their corporate travel return or bring payment brands to them that will help them sell more tickets at a lower price, right? Uh-huh. To maximize, um, maximize revenue, maximize yield. And that's one of our missions. So Ralph, um, you were speaking of offering that kind of flexible solution. And I wanted to draw that out just a little bit more. UATP stepped into the gap last spring when corporate travel managers suddenly had a large volume of airline credits due to canceled business trips, obviously precipitated by the COVID-19 pandemic. It was a big question about how the airlines could avoid refunding um, those tickets, but somehow also credit their corporate partners. Can you tell me more about what UATP did or how it functioned in that crisis? This was a big problem. You know, we we didn't set refund policies. We don't have any any say in whether an airline, you know, returns cash or provides a credit or a refund onto a card. But we did what we did do is stand up basically a, a refund platform on the network that not just our issuing airlines could utilize with their existing infrastructure, but we made it available to any airline. Right. So, you know, there's we have 250 airlines that participate in UATP. And even an airline that was only accepting UATP as a form of payment, but not issuing their own accounts, they can now put refunds on a a UATP charge account and give that to their customers. And basically what this does is allows the customers know they have a secure way to book future travel and and get the full credits or whatever, whatever the airlines are doing for their travelers. And it's not just for UATP refunds, which is the important part. Right. Other forms of payment that were used are being credited back where the airline is just giving credits on a UATP account um, because we are the, the most cost-effective way to manage a refund. Right. We are traditionally a lower-cost form of payment for airlines and corporate travelers. We are a small company, even though we process uh, a fair amount of volume, and and that's by design with the airline industry. And believe it or not, there's there's been other other networks and other companies that normally would be our competitors that have said you should use the UATP solution because it's it's the cleanest, simplest, easiest, cheapest way to get this done. And, you know, that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this discussion is that the, the team stepped in and stood this up in a matter of weeks. And we have several dozen carriers utilizing it and more are coming on every day. And and the amounts of money that's that's credited now is, is it going to be important for the corporate travel network? So if you think about a company that may have taken a revenue hit during the pandemic 
they still may be able to fly sooner because they have a credit out there waiting. So it's not going to be cash out of their pocket. It's just going to be charging a credit off. And so we look at this as a way to help the entire community, not just the airlines. I think that is a great observation. And I think one of the things that I like most about the observation and the story that you just told, Ralph, was that, um, you know, people really came together and companies came together. And those who were competitors decided to collaborate and to do the right thing uh, during the pandemic for for the industry and for their clients. Um, I mean, <laughs> This is kind of a corny question, I guess, but, you know, have, did we learn anything from the pandemic and from that type of collaboration that we might be able to take forward um, into a better recovery? Well, I'd say this, that we are, we're working now with different entities around the world that um, we weren't working with in 2019, um, whether they're trade groups or other networks or just different types of companies that cater to corporate travelers that aren't necessarily airlines. Mm-hmm. So what we've tried to do is just take down, I wouldn't call them barriers, but generally speaking, we're a niche product for air for our members, but we're trying to broaden um, what UTP accounts can be used for because we saw the need uh, mm-hmm. this year and we tried to address it. Um, we were very proactive in the market this year. We signed a lot more partnership deals. We signed more merchants, we, you know, more acceptance points, more issuers, airline issuers, and also travel management company issuers, which is a, a new a new initiative. For right, us. right, sure. So, you know, traditionally, there's always that a little bit of uh, tension between airlines and TMCs and airlines. Yes. And from where we sit, we think we can work deals that will benefit both. And, and um, any, any deal that's really going to be successful has to really provide good benefits to both sides. It can't be really so one-sided. Right. And then, you know, that, that's what we used to talk about. Um, you know, the GDS used to be the arch rival of the airlines from a cost standpoint and other payment networks. And I've always said they're all important and, and we need to work with them. We just need to rationalize the benefits between the two parties and not just have it be lopsided. And I think right. generally speaking, the airlines did a good job, of moving towards that pre-pandemic and, and maybe there'll be a little acceleration as we get through this and come out the other side. All right. Well, you kind of moved us into 2021 uh, with your last comments, but I do want to continue down that road. Um, what are you most optimistic about as we roll into this year and where are you looking for growth in your own business? Well, I've been saying to a lot of people lately, I think the second half of this year is going to look uh, remarkably better than the first half. Mm-hmm. I, I I try to be a realist with the team and say, you know, just because it's a new calendar year, nothing's really changed. In fact, in a lot of places, you know, don't don't kill the messenger, but the pandemic is worse, and mm-hmm. we have to continue to be vigilant and persevere. And you know, for me, I my paramount concern is for the well being of of our team and obviously our families and, and the traveling public, it's going to get better. And maybe, you know, the vaccines were super promising and now the virus might be mutating. So we'll see if that changes the outlook. But I'm still very bullish on, on where we were because you and I talked before we, we did this call and, you know, we were set up for our best year ever in 2020. Mm-hmm. 
2019 was a record year for us. And even January of 2020 was a record month for us. And it would just have been the most, it was going to be the most incredible year. And instead we set some other records last year that, you know, that weren't so great, like refunds and things like that. Um, so I'm still very bullish on, on the outlook. And I know that, that, okay, everyone now is an expert on, you know, WebEx and Zoom and Teams and all these online video platforms. But ultimately, the best way to do business is face-to-face. And, and there's also a lot of leisure travel and people want to go see families again and travel abroad and go on vacation. And so I, I do think we're going to see a pretty robust recovery it's just a matter of getting towards um, it's the perception of safety as mm-hmm. much as safety. And so, you know, if you saw the Lufthansa group saying you have to have medical grade masks on all their flights now, I mean, I think that's important just because a traveler is going to say, well, I know now everyone else is, is at the same level of me of precaution. Right. And if we're recovering, if we're going to require testing or vaccine certificates, you know, I'd, frankly, I'd welcome that because, you know, there was a time when we didn't have to take our shoes off to get on an airplane or carry our shampoo in a three ounce bottle. And now we just accept it as normal. But, you know, when I was a kid, you didn't have to do any of that. So um, there might be just a few more layers of what we would think of as an inconvenience, but I would gladly trade that for the ability to travel again. I also would trade it. Um, All right. what is the most interesting development that you see in the corporate market and it could be corporate payment market that we should be watching that isn't necessarily related to UATP? And let's like, aside from COVID, are there other sort of business development or technology developments that you think are particularly interesting or that are intriguing that maybe, um, you know, people aren't aware of or they should watch? Well, <clears throat> That's a great question, actually. Um, so I, I think it, it is tangentially re- related to what we've gone through. Okay. Um, contactless payment and different types of payment methods, you know, with a phone um, that were were developed and in, in the market were interesting to people. But, you know, well, I don't, you know, why do I need that? Because it's not that much of a big deal to do what I've always done. But now um, it might be a big deal to have touchless payments, touchless, you know, travel, touchless airports for getting your boarding pass if it's not already on your phone. You know, I, I, I love the fact that I do everything touchless even before the pandemic and I, would, I could get to the airport and be at the gate in under five minutes really be, because as a, you know, a, a corporate traveler, who could go through, you know, expedite security and, and have the boarding pass on my phone and all those things. Um, I love that convenience, but now there's a safety aspect to it too that I think is going to really accelerate whatever part of the market wasn't there is going to have to get there. Hope you're enjoying Business Travel News, new podcast, The Biz at BTN. I want to thank UATP CEO Ralph Kaiser for taking the time to speak with me today and you for taking the time to listen. This is BTN Editorial Director Elizabeth West, and if it's happening in business travel, we'll talk about it first on The Biz at BTN.